Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. Today, our guest is Ross Robertson from Big Water Fishing. Ross is an all-season fishing guide on Lake Erie. Ross, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me again. Ross, most of our audience live in the upper Midwest. They know about walleye fishing on Lake Erie, but many of them don't know about ice fishing Lake Erie. Tell us a little bit about where you're fishing and what the season is like. Well, where you guys are at, it's a whole different deal. You know, we ain't driving trucks out here. Maybe when I was like negative 10 or something, you know, we, uh, way before my, my time, people drove trucks out here, but we just don't get that. Probably, I would say seven or eight, eight years we're not going to have ice generally speaking um so i've kind of switched that around fortunately a few paths have crossed in, in the right direction and and i run my ice stuff off of the bass islands which is kind of a big deal because we get ice there i would say probably eight out of ten years we're going to have ice there well you know we have big winds and we, we're just you know we're quite a bit farther south than a lot of you guys there especially my minnesota buddies and dakota buddies so we just don't get safe ice on a regular basis uh on the open portion and when you have a body of water like lake erie and you've got freighters running and things like that even the, the portions of lake that get ice really get beat up and there's a lot of places for it to go meaning where the open water is, when we do get ice, the wind can blow it out into the open water. So it's not locked in, if that makes sense. I've heard stories about guys on Saginaw Bay who go out and they come home and they, they can't get home. You, you become like a sailboat, basically. So yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of notorious people that you know, get rescued. Not that you can't get yourself in a, in a situation, but a lot of people just really don't put their noggin uh, for good use there. And I've kind of put the odds in my favor. I'd use a do it really a lot different. We spend a lot of time and money to, to make this work, but we're fishing off of the islands there, the Bass Islands. And I've got an operation set up there with some of my friends from back in, in school days where we've got some private lodging and we've got, we're basically fishing off these islands where we're already where the fish are at. So we don't have to drive 10, 12 miles, which on the ice in our neck of the woods, you may have to drive 20 to go 12. So we're, we're right there and that, that ice is locked in amongst the islands. So it's a much safer deal and it's much more consistent for even just getting ice. Sure. When, when do you typically get that ice? What is the ice season like down in your neck of the woods? And I guess for, for uh, a lot of folks, like where is your neck of the woods as far as where are you located on Lake Erie? The Bass Islands, which are basically the closest city would be Port Clinton, Ohio. Um, but you know, the famed kind of Lake Erie Bass Islands there, um, the, the stretch out. It's really, it's just a very unique situation. I had dinner tonight with my guys we were fishing with today. We're, we're talking about, you know, when do you get it? And there's not a good answer. I can tell you, I've been there when the Super Bowl was going on and I've done it around St. Patrick's Day. But generally speaking, I would probably say the safest time as far as if we had to put it on a calendar, you know, do a TV shoot or something, it would be middle of January to the middle of February. Um, but I think we all know whether it's for a good way or a bad way, we've had some really wacky winters. They either start early or, or start late, and um, you really can't put your finger on it too too close over here. Walleyes are the big draw on Lake Erie during open water. What is the walleye bite like over the winter time? It can, it can be varied in the fact that you know the, the caliber of fish. Um, I would tell you probably if I mean. 
I probably have caught some of my biggest walleyes of all time through the ice because it's basically like our pre-spawn bite, right? Um, and they tend to be towards our late ice kind of dumb. Uh, unlike, you know, in your neck of the woods, our early ice is actually sometimes a little bit more difficult bite. And I think it's just because those fish are just staging differently. You know, in Minnesota, we're, I can remember back in the day going up there with buddies and we're throwing sheets of plywood down, you know, to start the season or end the season to get off, you know, that, that shoreline ice. And it's kind of the different for us is middle of the winter is actually the best. And I think that has a lot to do with oxygen levels and things like that. But um, if you can get out on the ice and we have safe fishable ice, we're usually catching them pretty good. It just matter how many times you got to move around. You kind of alluded to it there where the fish are kind of starting to get into pre-spawn when things get good. But how do you go about finding fish on Lake Erie during ice season? It's a big piece of water. I know you're a, you really love to troll uh, during open water, but you know, obviously with ice fishing, trolling uh, is a little bit different type of game. So tell me about how you go about uh, finding these fish and locating them uh, during ice season on Lake Erie. You know, I, I kind of relate it to some guys when we have these conversations because there's not necessarily a great answer, but I kind of relate to hunting because I think a lot of fishing and hunting references are the same that helps guys a little bit. Where if you're hunting, sometimes you, you realize like, hey, you choose this area that you think is going to be good and you put yourself in the best situation. And it's kind of like that because you can only move around so much. I don't care. You, you, you know, you see all these things, guys talk about ice trolling and being mobile and this and that. But when you've got a body of water and you have literally hundreds of square miles, um, you can do all the whole hopping you want. You'd run out of, <laughs> there's not enough time in the day to drill the holes, right? So a lot of the stuff I do is, is experience, obviously. I mean, going back on things a little bit, but fishing the conditions. But things like the mapping, like I run Lake Master mapping and the contours on those things, a lot of those fish really are on those very subtle contours. And before, you know, it seems like I, I tell guys all the time, they think you're getting some commercial, but a lot of my wave points from 20 years ago, back when I first had GPS and we came off Loran Sea, when I put those on that Lake Master and overlaid it, I realized like, oh my God, so many of these spots related to these, these, these soft contours or these soft, subtle changes. Um, sometimes it's just going from a, you know, a compact bottom to a slightly not compact you know, bottom. Um, and sometimes it's just a slight subtle depth change. And it makes a world of difference and relating to those things. And then it also just moving around because fish just move. That's what they do out here. What does a setup look like for somebody who's going to go out and, and try to fish these walleye through the ice on Lake Erie? The big thing on Erie is I always joke with my buddies. I work with Clam. I'm on the ice team. And I always joke with them when we get these rods and these prototypes out. And um, I call it a Minnesota medium, which is uh, Lake Erie ultralight. So I've actually got uh, my own series of rods with Connor Clam, the, uh, the Great Lakes model um, ice team pro rod uh, professional series. And it's just a bigger stick. It's, it's got, it's, um, I would say it's still a fax set fast action but it's a little more moderate compared to some of those like lake trout type you know jigging rods you see with some of these guys because you need to be able to have feel because those walleyes are so they take that bait sometimes so subtly but we're using a lot bigger lures for example you know you may be using like a rattling spoon back in your neck of the woods that's an eighth or maybe a quarter and it's not uncommon for us to have a half or three quarters and then we're throwing a couple minnows on it so that thing may be you know in excess of one ounce and a lot of rods that say they're a walleye rod or a medium heavy walleye rod or medium just aren't enough. So you need a little extra oomph in there. You got that, that kind of, of hardware on the end of your rod. 
how, how deep are you going down? Where are you typically targeting these fish? Most of that stuff is done, I would say, in 28 to 34 feet of water. And occasionally we're a little bit shallower than that. I probably have spent very, very little time, or at least very little successful time, in less than 25 feet of water. Most of that stuff for those fish are staging on those deeper flats. And you're, like I said, you're, you're pushing, or if not in excess of 30 feet of water. So big rods, big lures. How about the line? Line, I mainly use monofilament. Um, believe it or not, I do some stuff. I run some braid on a couple different really specific applications. But when you get those good sized fish up there, you know, braid and things, it, it, there are certain things that it, it really helps with. But I really like the shock absorber and monofilament. And when you're doing other things, it also does, doesn't translate as quick on, on the rod. Meaning some of the things that we're doing, we're trying to be a little more finessey. You don't get that drastic pop to it. I don't know, probably not describing this well, but um, I use monofilament a lot. And most guys don't, but I do. How about the fish? How do they react? I mean, when you're watching them on electronics, is it kind of a, do they come in and smoke them? Is it, is it one of these finesse type of games where you're playing a fish a lot? What is that bite like? Well, you know, fish are like some ex-girlfriends. They're a little moody. You know what I mean? So, you can have one come in and just smash that thing. And then 15 minutes later, you're just working them around and, and they just don't want to seem to bite anything. And I think that the thing is, is, is having really good electronics is huge. Like I'm using a hummingbird flasher and I've kind of switched over from the traditional flasher, generally speaking. And I'm using like the Helix the LCD because they're super fast. But I like having the, the chart speed on there so I can use the traditional flasher wheel, but then also the 2D because I can see a little bit of a history there because it's amazing at how many times you can actually see, you know, the picture of what happened and that fish that came by, now you see him coming back where in the flasher, you know, it's kind of here and there, you know, it's, it's gone. It's over with because those fish just change it up so much. And the big thing that I can't get guys to do is to work them up enough. Meaning generally speaking, those fish are within three feet of the bottom when they're coming in or when they come into view and you always want to keep working them up, up and up. And I can tell you many stories where I've caught fish five, six feet below the hole um, that I brought off bottom in 30-some feet of water. And while that's kind of a drastic deal and probably a slight exception, it's not uncommon to work a fish actively, you know, kind of changing your cadence up, doing different things, and get that fish to commit 5, 10, 15 feet off bottom. That sounds like a good cat and mouse type of game. What is the Lake Erie walleye population like right now? Um, where are they at as far as fish numbers and, and, and what, what do people, what can they expect uh, to go down there? I know obviously you can't say, oh, we guarantee you're going to limit out, but I mean, what does that Lake Erie walleye population look like right now compared to maybe what it was like 10 or 20 years ago? I definitely don't like to ever put expectations on things and say you're going to limit out, but honestly, you're probably going to get a limit when you're coming with us. Um, it's harder to catch a double digit fish now. You know, we've got, I don't, don't quote me on numbers because I mean, even the different state agencies, you look at different things, you see different things and none of us have, you know, drained the pool to, to count them up, right? But we've got easily over a hundred million fish and a lot of fish between three and five pounds. So I don't think we have nearly the population of those eight, nine, 10 pounders that we used to, or even bigger, you know, that guys think of with Lake Erie fish but we have so many fish, literally over a hundred million between like three and five pounds. It makes for some really, really, you know, fun action and, and just the ability to catch a lot more fish. We've been talking a lot about walleyes, Ross. 
How about other species in your neck of the woods? What other types of fish are you targeting? You know, walleyes is kind of what I do. And when guys know me, um, that's kind of what I do. And it, it's hard to kind of stay on one thing. You know, it's like I say, it's like a, a guy that, you know, drives NASCAR and then he's trying to, you know, race planes or something. It's still racing, but it's a totally different deal. I mean, we've got a, a really healthy smallmouth population, you know, not really an ice fishing thing. Our perch population has been really up or down. It's like we have a killer year and then it just seems to evaporate even like the commercial netters, you know, are, are having struggling with them. But I think when you think of Lake Erie, you think of walleyes and, and that's generally speaking what everybody's targeting or wanting to. For me. A lot of folks in our neck of the woods are used to maybe making a trip up to Lake Winnipeg or maybe on the, the other side of Lake of the Woods for a big trip. But with COVID this year, the Canadian border is going to be a no-go. So if someone's kind of looking to do something out of the ordinary and instead of going to Winnipeg, maybe you take the trip down to see you on Lake Erie. What is that experience going to be like compared to a trip to going to Lake Winnipeg? Give us a, paint us a picture on, on what that might be like. Yeah, it's, it's a totally different situation. I've had a lot of guys that have done a lot of fishing. And again, part of it's just the, the eerie deal. And then part of it is just because of the kind of unique performance and situation that I can give these guys. Um, like I said, I've got a few of the right friends through the years that happen to own a lot of stuff on some islands. So we have the guys come across there. It's a pretty economical deal, um, probably a lot less expensive than even going to Winnipeg, let alone the travel time. And we're fishing off of an island with a lot less traffic. You know, we don't have to get up at three in the morning. We're not fighting the crowds. And I, I mean, it's just the fishing is really consistent. Not that you don't have days, you know, how that goes with, with ice stuff and, and temperamental fish. But generally speaking, our fish kind of get dumb at some point in the day, if not throughout the day. And I don't know too many guys that are, you know, at a small bar eating there that's basically only open a few days a week and there's 10 people and it's kind of like cheers. You know, we're on the island with just local people and a lot of guys, you know, I went to school with and run around with, but yet we have a quarter mile drive to some of the best walleye fishing from where the guys are staying, which is really unique. That sounds awesome, Ross. Is there something that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about tonight? Well, you know, in a big place out there and, and comfort comes into, into play, right? We like to be comfortable, but I think the biggest thing is safety. So I use Argos. We've got the tank treads, they're, they're enclosed. And while we certainly don't want to break through or have anything like that happen, if it does, they float. And they're just a lot more comfortable because, you know, when you're on snowmobiles or four-wheelers, you're exposed in the elements. And while we don't have to go very far when we're fishing off the island, it's that peace of mind is just, it's huge for me. And I think it is for the guys that fish with me too. All right. Thanks, Ross. If people want to know about more about you or how to book a trip with you, how do they find you? I'm pretty easy to find. Big Water Fishing, rather we're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, or bigwaterfishing.com. Um, get a hold of me. We can give you some different options and things, and I think we're going to have a good year. The, the word is a hard winter, and it's kind of started that way for a lot of people, so I'm looking forward to getting out there and doing it. Yeah, we're already starting to see some ice around our neck of the woods already. Um, I know it's supposed to warm up here next week. That's all going to go bye-bye. But uh, it's got people fired up and ready for ice fishing. And it sounds like you are also in that mood. So uh, hope you have a great ice season. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.